All right. Welcome back to another episode of Bush School Uncorked. And tonight or morning, depending on where each of us are today, as you will see, we're a bit scattered. But um, I'm really excited to get these three students together. Um, these are all folks that I had the opportunity to work with closely while they were at the Bush School. They're from various parts of the world, which is really exciting. And they have different interests and did some different cool things while they were at the Bush School. Um, they had the maybe pleasure or maybe uh, not pleasure of spending a lot of time working with me on a number of projects. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. But let's get straight to it. I'm going to let uh, each of the members who are each of the former students that are with us, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. And then kind of like with the previous episode with former students, I'll spend a little bit of time with each one of them, talking a little bit about their background, what were their interests in public service and what brought them to the Bush School, some of their experiences at the Bush School. And now that they have left us and left College Station, what they're doing now and uh, just some general conversation about public service. Does that sound good to you, team? Yep, right. Excellent. So um, on my screen, I have, it looks like, Maggie, Layla, and then Hazik. So let's do it in that order. You could introduce your, maybe introduce yourself and tell us where you are from and where you are currently at this moment, where you're calling in from. Yeah. Maggie Lubani, I'm from Albania and calling from Tirana, Albania. Layla Kiashvili, I'm from Georgia. And for a week already, I'm back home. I'm in Tbilisi, Georgia. Ah, very nice. Hazik Masood, I'm calling from California right now. I'm originally from Pakistan. Very nice. So first, uh, thank you all for making time to be here. I know that it is 10.30 my time, I believe 5.30 Maggie's time, 8.30 or so Layla's time, and Hazik actually is the winner of this time game. <laughs> I think it's only 8.30 out his way, maybe. Yep. So thanks everyone for being here. Maggie, uh, since uh, we started with you in the introductions, I'd like to start with you first. And I think what would be uh, interesting to me and maybe interesting to people following along is what made you interested in coming from your home all the way to the Bush School to focus on a, you know, a degree that was specifically in public service? What kind of, what was your journey that brought you to College Station? Yeah, specifically to the Bush School and College Station fate, I have to say, um, because I applied from back home, I applied for a Fulbright scholarship. Ever since I started university here, I knew I wanted to get an education in the U.S. for obvious reasons, for the quality, for the professors and for the opportunities. Uh, so I applied um, to the Fulbright scholarship, which is a State Department managed scholarship. And uh, I knew I wanted to do public service because of my background in political science. I worked for a couple of years in civil society, working for good governance, foreign policy, but mostly uh, just trying to have a better government in, in my country, uh, which, you know, it's a long way ahead. But I knew that if I got this type of education, it wouldn't revolutionize the world or my country, but at least it would give me some of the tools to do a better job when I, when I came back home. And that's how I, I ended up in College Station, not by choice, in the sense that uh, I couldn't choose the program that I was going to end up in. Uh, it was chosen by the Fulbright Commission, mm -hmm. but I'm really happy at the end of the day that I ended up there because of the, all, all the experiences I had. And all the interesting uh, colleagues and uh, uh, 
and what's the word I'm looking for? And fellow students, there we go. I get it. I'll get it out. And th two <laughs> others of which are here with us tonight. Um, what type of work? Tell me a little bit more about some of the work you were doing before you uh, came to do your master's. Mm. Uh, as I said, I was uh, in civil society. I was working with different um, NGOs. Uh, most recently, before I came, I was very interested in gender issues, so working a lot on women's empowerment, economically, politically, socially, but mostly on gender-based violence. So I was doing a lot of research, a lot of on-the-ground work, you know, working with women, for instance, in the labor market for discrimination and, you know, women's rights in the labor market. Before that, I was in different NGOs doing work on good governance, transparency, monitoring government policies, uh, especially in the area of European integration, which was a continues to be a big deal here. Uh, so that's broadly what I was working on, but then on a daily basis, you know, many different things. The, the part I enjoyed the most was just monitoring and uh, doing research papers on different policies that were in my area of interest. And that, that I continue to do today in a different type of work. And while you were at the Bush School, what were, you know, what, uh, the students while they're at the Bush School have, they can pick a track and a concentration. So what types of, what did you specialize in while you were at the Bush School? Broadly, I chose the public, the policy analysis uh, direction, and then I made my own concentration specifically because I was interested in different things, uh, a little bit on you know, international development, but mostly on, you know, I made the track on uh, good governance and, you know, institutions. So I tried to mix a little bit of different things um, because I had many interests at the time. So, and I thought, you know, some of the classes really fit, you know, what I was doing back home in Albania. So it was a bit of a mess and all over the place, but I loved it because it gave me really a perspective on you know how institutions work why sometimes institutions fail and what we can do you know to make them better and that really gave me you know the tools that now that i'm back i really understand you know how i should work with different institutions because i have some theoretical background or a better theoretical background right now so that's uh, but i do still like to work mostly on policy analysis so i, I kept you know that as a main concentration very nice so I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to give you a heads up that what I'm going to want from you when I come back around after I talk to Layla and Hazik is I want to hear one or two memories from your time at the Bush School. So okay. you can you can pick whatever you would like them to be, but some things that as you've spent time here, you spent two years and have uh, have left one or two memories that particularly stick with you about your time. And everyone's going to get that on the second round. So you have been warned. <laughs> so thank you so much for giving us uh, a background on you and we'll, we'll, we will come right back. So um, Layla, you're next here. Tell me about your journey to the Bush school, how you ended up in college station. Uh, my story is quite similar to Maggie's. Uh, faith would be the right word to start with, because uh, I'm also a Fulbright Scholar. Uh, I applied to Fulbright Scholarship in 2016, and I uh, wrote down my dedication and my passion. And my passion in three words would be to, I'm very passionate to help people in terms of social justice, in ter terms of human rights, and well, they knew the right place to put me in. So, so yeah. that's how I ended up in the Bush School. <laughs> and tell me a little bit about some of the work, uh, just like I asked with Maggie, some of the work you were doing, maybe just a little bit more detail about some of your experience before you joined us at the Bush School. I uh, count the beginning of my professional career uh, 20, 2008, 
um, in 2008, my home country of Georgia had the war with Russia. And back then I was a student um, of the law faculty. So I was studying, studying law and I started nonprofit organization while being a student myself. And when the war started, we had this desire to, to again, help people. So go and do something. And so that's why we, that's how we started. We ended up um, volunteering for the camps. So internally displaced people camps where people flee from the war. Mm -hmm. So there I was helping and I was gathering information about the, their needs. So basically doing needs assessment and then making sure that uh, supply got to them. Would it be food or essential, first essentials? And there I found out that even in the war case or war situation, an emergency situation, the needs for men and boys are different from the needs of women and girls. Mm -hmm. And very often, because of cultural norms, women and girls are shy to say that about or talk about that, even especially in presence of men. So I realized that that's what I want to do. I just don't want, not only want to help people, but I want to help particularly women and girls, and particularly as a in the war-torn war communities or war-affected communities. So that's where I spent my next six years. I was um, noted by the, uh, noticed by the nonprofit organization and they invited me to work with them. The organization was specializing in helping internally displaced women and helping them to rebuild their war-torn communities. So I was working on women's empowerment through giving legal, pro bono legal consultations. I was a also manager of a couple of projects that empowered women through education, through public activism, through advocacy work. So we kind of try to build their communities. And nowadays those women are the main points of contact in their communities and they have very strong ground already. So I do consider my work a success. That's wonderful, <laughs> yeah. Later on before, sorry, go ahead. No, I was, was going to say this is also, uh an area that you and Maggie share in trying to find ways to uh, deal with uh, gender inequality and uh, particularly in, in either war-torn or develop some developing areas and really dealing with issues of gender inequality. I would expect no less from you, dear, no less. <laughs> and, so, um, and so then you went through the Fulbright uh, process as well ended up at the Bush School, and during your time at the Bush School, what, what did your studies focus on? So before going to the Bush School, I went to the UN, so I kind of got the national perspective as well, and that's where I realized that I need more education and more tools in my toolbox to be able to support my country better. I ended up at the Bush School, and I chose public policy analysis direction. And because I was at the UN, I chose nonprofit, international nonprofit organizations as my concentration. Very nice. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the same question too. Once I chat with Hazik, of something particularly memorable from your time at the Bush School. So be prepared. You have been okay. warned. <laughs> Hazik, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thanks so much for joining. So tell me a little bit about your journey to the Bush School. Right, so um, I, I, like I mentioned, I come from Pakistan, right? Um, a, a country like many developing nations that are that are facing a lot of social issues, social challenges, uh, political challenges. And, and you know, growing up um, as a teenager or, or, you know, 
graduating from uh, from university, doing your undergrad, you you ask yourself the same question, right? Do do I join, uh, you know, on one side, do I join the same people who are playing the blame game, right, throughout their lives, or or do I do something about it? Um, to to you know to make some sort of a change, some sort of a positive change in in in, in you know areas like education, health, uh, and many other social jurisdictions, and and uh, you know one of the answers to that question was uh, definitely attain your you know better education yourself first, uh, and and one of the avenues was was to attain you know a master's degree um, that was that was that was that was going to help me in the future to to you know attain the objective that I really have. Uh, so, so hence shortlisting one of these schools, which was Texas A&M, was was you know the ultimate idea, eventually to go for because um, you know combined with you know the, the secondary parts, which which are a great program, a great tuition structure. Uh, th there's a lot of international. Uh, there's a huge international element to, to the Bush School. Cultural integration, diversity is is a big part uh, that is that is central to the Bush School, uh, which, which I felt was. You know, going to give me a very uh, interesting and 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 you know, and a sane environment to 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 study all these objectives. Um, so so eventually, you know, long story short, uh, that that environment was really really important to me to study uh, towards you know my my eventual goal, which was to go back uh, at a certain time uh, back in Pakistan and you know bring along those changes in some way or the other. And uh, what was your uh, areas of study while you were at the Bush School, right? So, so this is where it evolved into a really interesting mix because uh, you know, so my uh, overall broadly like Megan and Leila, my my uh, my uh, you know track was public policy analysis. However, in order for me to practice the public policy in a in a in a meaningful way, I had to first understand and and you know. Uh, sort of get get hold of how things work back home right so so having that public policy analysis was was teaching myself all the policy elements um of let's say getting the education system right for instance of implementing the health policies effectively in any environment whatsoever but but to practically get there i i had to understand at a very early stage of my bush school career that capital is also very necessary because funding is is a huge element, you know, when it comes to implementing those policies. And 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 trust me when I say this, uh, you know, government isn't uh, that helpful in, in that regard uh, when when you know implementing those particular policies. So so I had you know an option to to take that onus in my hand uh, to make sure you know to a gather that capital. And and for me to do that, I thought private sector or going to a private sector in a field that is that is very relative, you know. Well, it's 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 not new to me because I had my undergrad in economics and finance, so my concentration was primarily devoted towards finance, and that's what I you know what I did. Uh, it, 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 there's a transfer pricing concentration, which is basically international tax. Um, so for me, it's like a two-tier process, you know, getting education here in the U.S., uh, working in the private sector, understanding the market, and then gaining enough capital and eventually going back home. To, to make use of effective use of that capital in in a very social way, uh, to, to you know to bring about that changes that I've started here at the Bush School. Very nice, and um, and that's actually so. I'll stay with you for just a minute. We're having a little bit of connectivity uh, challenges on Maggie's side, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give her a moment to join us back. But um, uh, and actually, there she is. <laughs> um, and you are. We haven't cover this with everyone else, but that's actually what you're doing right now, right? Um, as you exited the, uh, as you graduated from the Bush School, you went on into a, uh, a finance job, which is why you're in California. That's correct, right? 
Absolutely, absolutely. I'm currently working at Oracle uh, in, in in the field that I've in, in the concentration that I've studied at the Bush School, which is transfer pricing, and uh, that's you know it, it's it's interesting because it's giving me enough experience here to to again understand how things work here in the private sector, uh, and B you know it's it's me moving one step closer to to having or obtaining that capital to the eventual goal that I have, which is going back to the home country and and making those public policy changes in some way or the other, uh, and, and and that again stems from uh, what I've done back in Pakistan, you know, before coming here to the U.S., which was working with the U.N., uh, specifically the development of program in areas of education, which was something that really interests me um, over the course of the Bush School. Uh, the Capstone Project was all about that as well. So so it, it's it's one of the areas, you know, I, I'm really interested uh, in, in making an impact, eventual impact. Excellent. Thank you. Maggie, I thought we had lost you. You're back with Sorry. us. Wonderful. <laughs> That's I think okay. the perks of, of being from a developing country, you know. <laughs> well, you joined us right back. You were only gone, I think, for just a moment. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to hear some memory from you that either is typifies your Bush School experience or something mm -hmm. that has kind of stuck with you as you've left us here and uh, and moved on. It's a beautiful question, but also very unfair because you have to, you know, pack two years full of experiences uh, in just one memory or a few memories. But I will try my best to give, you know, what what I remember most from that. And uh, I'm just going to make two. Sorry, okay. not okay. one, but at least two. You have to give me that. Uh, <laughs> I think fair. something that really blew my mind. Um, it's not a specific memory, but it's something that accumulated over time, is that I could be friends with my professors, friends in the sense of, you know, professional colleagues maybe in the future, but also, you know, I could talk to them about philosophy or, you know, my favorite authors, which together we did, you know, many, many times. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to mention any specific names because we don't know how people will feel about certain people, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> I re it really, you know, and with other professors as well that I keep in touch even now, um, it really, it got me thinking that, you know, this is what education should look like and this is, you know, how we should enter the labor market because, you know, it gives you a lot of confidence in yourself and it also makes you feel part of a team and not just, you know, um, coming from post-communist countries, it's usually the relationship between professor and student. It's the professor is somewhere out there in space and then, you know, it's very unreachable. And being able to actually reach professors and, you know, pick their mind on different things and have intellectual discussions in a friendly setup, but also in a professional one. I think that's that's something I cherish the most uh, because, you know, you are dealing with some of the brightest minds in, in this country and, you know, all over the world, of course. So that, that was really something that uh, I cherish, you know, even now and I will always cherish. And I hope that with some of them, I will be friends forever, uh, forever and ever. Um, and also the second memory that I really, really want to share, and I think Leila here will understand what I mean, is the presentation, the final presentation of our Capstone project. Mm, yes. Year-long struggle of getting to, you know, a point where you feel like you have done something with your life after excruciating pain and, you know, all the struggles <laughs> that we went through. Uh, I think the moment that we presented and then we saw ourselves as something much more, you know, compared to how we started from, we started Clueless project. And I think that also signifies a little bit how we came to the school. You know, we didn't know what to expect. And, you know, we went through a lot of 
crying sometimes, happiness, you know, all these feelings, I think they were packed in that one moment, you know, that one day when we gave this presentation of our capstone project, but also, you know, which carried over to the to the day of the graduation. I think when we saw ourselves on the stage and then, you know, recorded and saw the pictures, I was like, yeah, I think now we are ready for, you know, life after the Bush School. So that's something I will never forget. That's wonderful. And what was your capstone project on? Yeah, we worked on lobbying, which is very pertinent right now. Uh, we did a huge research of over like 8,000 Leela, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, we spied what people were doing in public service, but, you know, just to see the effects of lobbying in, in government or uh, the main paths chosen by public officials. And we did, you know, this big research and published a database and published a report based on that. And our client was the Congressional Research Service, which also, you know, it was pretty, pretty big deal. Yeah. We got to go there and present also there. And, you know, we, I really felt like... Um, you know, a true professional going, going, presenting to this very old institution with so many, you know, institutional memory and such great research. And personally, since I love research, you know, just being able to go there and be praised by them, by a research institution on our work was really, you know, the highlight or one of the highlights of yeah, my I think time. the capstone experience, while it can be, uh, what's a, what's a good adjective for it? I guess challenging <laughs> and stressful. <laughs> And, uh, you know, one of the hardest uh, parts of your experience here is often also one of the most rewarding as well. So I'm going to give you the preview of the next question as well. So everyone has time to consider the next question and give a full answer. And I don't spring anything on you. Uh, and then I'm going to turn to Layla. But I, I, my follow up question is going to be, you know, one of the things that I think distinguishes the Bush School is the focus on public service. Makes it kind of weird and a little bit of an outlier. But I think there really is this focus at the Bush School on service and on serving the public. And as you are beginning your career in these areas or continuing your career in these areas, I want maybe I'm curious what you each think about are some of the threats or challenges to quality public service in the modern world. So things that from your own experience, things from the classroom, but what are some of the challenges to actually having a career in public service in 2019? and that you see moving forward. So everyone be kind of thinking about that. And Layla, I'd like to hear one of, or a couple of your most uh, prominent memories from your time at the Bush School. Very much in line with Maggie, even after eight months of graduation, from graduation, <laughs> we have the same thoughts and going the same direction. Uh, for me as well, if I would like to put my Bush School experience into memories, it would be, so to speak, before and after. So my very first memory of the Bush School was when I was um, when I arrived on campus, uh, and August Texas heat was new to me and quite <laughs> shocking. <laughs> quite hot in August here. <laughs> quite hot. Mm -hmm. And I arrived to the main campus and I just asked around where the Bush School is, and nobody could tell me. I don't know why. I just met the wrong people. <laughs> So I got lost. I got lost quite times before a couple times before I got to the Bush School. And when I got to the Bush School, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure if I'm in the right place. I'm not sure if I want to spend two years here. It's too hot. It's too humid. I cannot stay here. So I was kind of in a in a slightly panicking mode. Um, and then just to fast forward two years later, as you know, I was um honored to be the graduate speaker. So 
two years later, you're standing on a stage just about to give a speech and you're looking at the audience and you know everybody and everybody are so close to your heart and you feel that you will not be losing these people uh, no matter what in life. They will always be with you and you will always be ready to support them. And I just asked my question like, how the hell did it happen? <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. two years. How can by. you? Yep, two years fly by, and sometimes you can spend two years not even making any, one new friend, and then there, there, there we, we were, just two years later with so many friends, so many life colleagues, so many life partners, and so many uh, memories to cherish. So I guess that would be my memories from the first school, just before and after experience. <laughs> The heat did not change, though. <laughs> <laughs> the same. I think that's one of the things that as people think about graduate school um, that is often not on the front of their list, at least it wasn't for me when I started my master's, but it really, you know, your master's program often professionalizes you, not just with your education and learning the professional norms, but it ends up being the people that you go through life doing your craft with. I mean, of course, there are other people that, that you meet along the way, but it really does kind of give you the core professional group that you can rely on and refer back to throughout your whole career. I mean, I was just, for example, sharing with the three of you that uh, I'm going for just uh, this summer, I'm going to Taiwan for a fellowship. And this was come about in large part because uh, the gentleman that invited me, um, we went to our uh, PhD program together. Right. And so then he's, and he and I haven't even kept always in the best of touch, but these these kind of relationships, these kind of core life experiences and the people you go through those experiences with stay with you, I think, for, for pretty much the rest of your life. And one of the things that I have found um, super fascinating about the Bush School is, uh, which we've highlighted already, but is the degree to which there are people from all over the world. I mean, we're highlighting this tonight with the three of you and your backgrounds. But your your community, your professional community is a lot different when you think of it instead of it just being um, Texas or just being your home state, when all of a sudden you have a sort of global network of people who care about similar things as you do and, and uh, uh, you know, attack those problems that are current in your own culture, but all with this mindset of trying to help one another and improve the quality of, of public service in the world. And so that, that part of it is really kind of cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Hazik, now the spotlight's on you, sir. <laughs> so it, it, I think it's probably a Texas A&M thing, but I would call it a Bush School thing because that's, you know, where I literally spent most of my time. And it may sound absolutely, you know, uh, very common to all the Aggies, but getting my Aggie ring was, 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 you know, it was one of the best moments ever. And I'll tell you why. For me, you know, before when, when other people were getting it, you know, when I was in my first year, you know, I asked myself, it's just a ring, right? You know, what what significance could it possibly have? But then I realized when I got mine that to to every person that ring has, you know, some 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 sort of significance. For me, it it epitomizes it sort of epitomized my my entire journey from where I come from and where I was at that point in time. Uh, you know, twenty years ago, I couldn't have even thought of 
studying, you know, or, or getting an education at all, let alone uh, getting education, you know, in a, in, a, in a foreign country, in one of the best uh, education master's countries in the world, right? So, but but, but to that very day, uh, I realized how far I've come. And, and it's important for me because whenever I look at it today, I wear it every time, probably like, too proud of an Aggie, but but <laughs> every day when I when I when I look at that ring, it, it reminds me of that journey. You know, it 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 sort of uh, encompasses everything I've I've gone through from um, you know from from preschool to, to to regular mid you know middle school from undergrad and then all you know working in different capacities and all the way to Texas A&M in the Bush School graduating and finally ending my uh, you know. Uh, uh, studies, <laughs> right, and moving into the into, into into the real world. So, so that was one of the really, really, um, you know, uh, important memories for me. And and to date, I think it would probably stay as probably the best memory for me at, at Texas A&M. Yeah, I. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that. So when I was uh, finishing up my graduate schooling, I not really big into pomp and circumstance and uh, you know these kind of big events. Mm-hmm. And I remember one a, a professor I had who I'm still friends with is this gentleman named David Bradford. He's a health economist at University of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I remember him telling me, he said, um, I always go to graduation. And he said, you know, this is a big deal. These people, the people, the students that are graduating, not only is it a big deal to them, but it's a big deal to their to their families. And it's this big sim- symbolic moment to them of all of the things that they have sacrificed, all of the things that they have done to get to this point. And it's this kind of one moment in time for them where they get to sit and kind of reflect and think about how all the steps leading up to that moment of graduation um, and all the influence from their families, from their, from their friends, from their, from their homes, from all of these things, graduation really represents that. And I thought it's kind of interesting to me that that uh, that's the memory that you highlight um, as I think about that, because I do try to make essentially every graduation. And, you know, to me, it starts to become a little uh, repetitive, right? Because I've been here for uh, five academic years. This will be the this is the fifth one. And so to me, it starts to look, you know, kind of similar. And I was always appreciative for David telling me you know, that he always went to them because for the students, it's the one time they get to do that. You don't do that again often, right? You certainly don't get your master's again. And it is this big uh, kind of meaningful and and symbolically important day for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm glad that that's one of your uh, favorite memories from your time. So Maggie, um, I'm going to, we're going to come back to you and I'm Curious what you think of some of the challenges to public service. You know, this is something that as I've spent more time at the Bush School, I've started to think of public service uh, pretty seriously as its own profession, even though it's not really treated like that more broadly in the U.S. And uh, government work in particular is disparaged and nonprofit work is often seen as, you know, not as important. Um, But one of the things that uh, that I've mentioned that I like about the Bush School is this focus on professionalizing people to public service and thinking about how they might go help others sort of in the uh, in the vision that uh, President Bush uh, 41 had of serving others. And so as I look forward into 2019, I see all kinds of challenges for public service. I see uh, concerns about uh, constitutional democracies. I could see concern about uh, 
uh, challenges for integrity of elections. I see a rise of fascism, which causes, causes me concerns for serving the broad public. I look at, you know, technological tools, something that we have all talked about together and the ways in which those might help make public service more effective and efficient, but also the ways in which it threatens those things and threatens kind of some of the human connections. So um, I'm wondering as you look out and as you finished up your time here and you're entering into uh, public service, some of the challenges you see for going out into the world and, and doing real public service. Do you have an hour or two to discuss that? <laughs> I think, I think we time. need it. <laughs> but first of all, I just want to apologize to Hazi for keep missing your answers. I'm really sorry. My computer <laughs> is acting up somehow, but I will ask you later, what was your memory? I, I understood something about graduation, but I would be interested. Um, talking about the challenges to public service, I just want to start first by saying that uh, I was very happy to be at the Bush School, even though I didn't choose it myself especially specifically for this focus that they have on you know this public service is a noble calling and you know emphasizing the importance of public servants in a government in a state you know for the development of society i think in many of our societies we don't really understand the value of public service i think uh, if you, especially if you come from a developing country you are not respected for being in in public administration uh, people usually if you say i work in public administration might look at you and say ah how did you get there you know did you pay a bribe or uh, did you have any connections and that's very unfortunate and i think it's something that hasn't changed in at least in my society and i think there are some uh, commonalities with what is happening in US and you know in the Western world but there are also some particular things that are you know particular to societies like ours you know development societies transitional societies and whatnot uh, I think some of the challenges are you know this rise of as you mentioned fascism or you know the of authoritarian leaders I think with that it's not just a matter of the government it's just just not the matter of a leader who might be authoritarian that uh, directly influences how the government is run it influences how institutions are functioning and what really upsets me is that we have not and are not doing it right now we are not uh, doing evidence-based policies we are just doing policies because someone wants to. They are not based on facts or figures or studies or research. And that's something, especially in the US, that I really you know, got an emphasis on and I really understood the importance of. And now that I'm back, it really frustrates me when I see you know, um, a new policy being made and I ask myself these questions, you know, how, where do you base it? Did you do a research? What is your, your assessment, you know, needs analysis? And there's nothing like that. And I think for professionals going into public service in my country, that's a big problem because what they do, and I have many friends who work there, they're just saying, oh, we just write, you know, letters all day. We sign papers and, you know, we, we sign orders. We're not really thinking about where this is going, where our institution is going. So there is a lack of vision, there is a lack of really understanding, you know, what is your role in, in making this government, this big body work at the end of the day. I think that's a big problem, but also politics has a big influence in it. Personally, I've never, never worked in public administration, which might be weird because I do consider myself a public servant. I just have used so far different avenues for doing that. And 
honestly not that i haven't that i have tried i haven't tried even because i have made a conscious decision that i would only enter public administration if i can keep my ethics intact you know if i don't need to sacrifice you know what i believe in just because i want to be there so i'm maybe i don't know if it's the right choice but at the moment i'm just waiting for that moment to come i know that some most of the time maybe change comes from within organizations and i do understand that but if, if the problems are systemic at a systemic level not just at the internal one institutional level it's a chain reaction you know you, you cannot if you enter you you will get lost you know it's a vicious circle so i'm trying to help public servants from the outside you know i currently work at the osce maybe we will we will talk later about what we are doing right now but i try with my current job which is different from what i was doing before i'm directly helping public uh, organizations i'm currently working with the ministry of interior for instance you know to strengthen their capacities and i see you know the struggle on both sides so there are many challenges, but this, you know, the idea that you need to have an ethical um, public administration, but also base your decisions on, on evidence. And also this, you know, the influence of politics in, in public administration are a big problem that we need, we need to address still in the future. And before we move on, tell me a little bit more. It sounds to me like what you're doing is, is pretty close to public service. So what is, what, is, uh, what is it that you're doing right now and how do you, how do you think about what you do right now? Sure. Uh, I worked at the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe in the mission in the presence in Albania uh, in the Security Cooperation Department. And because we are in the Security Cooperation Department, we have to work because of the nature of the organization, right? It's a deeply political organization that usually only helps, you know, the government rather than civil society or, you know, outside uh, the public realm. Uh, we help different governments public institutions to strengthen their capacities to do their work, basically. And I'm working with uh, institutions like the Ministry of Interior. We have a coordination center on CVE. We work closely with uh, local government institutions. Of course, uh, it's a bit focused on security related issues, countering violent extremism, public safety, local you know challenges uh, to local security. And we are helping with capacity development. We are training officials. We are also working at the higher levels, you know, with um, deputy ministers, ministers, so that they have a better strategy uh, in place for for security. For instance, we helped in uh, in the strategy on countering violent extremism. We helped uh, the ministry with devising a strategy on community policing, you know, on better safety at the local level. And we are trying to help them even implement this strategy. So we. I'm happy that at this point that I didn't do before when I was only in civil society, I'm part of the whole cycle of the public policy making. I'm part of the, you know, just thinking of policies and then designing them, adoption and then implementation and evaluation. So I have, you know, a role in each part uh, of this process and I'm really happy for that. Of course, not, not everything is, you know, 100% uh, functioning, but at least, you know, I can see even little increments, even little changes, I think they are good uh, for the overall public good. And if you don't consider that public service, what do you consider as public service? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Layla. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hear about your thoughts on yeah. challenges to uh, challenge to public service as you're sort of looking I know it, your own career is a little, your next choices are still kind of up in the air, which is something we've talked about recently. But tell me a little bit about 
what challenges you see for public service, uh, either in your home country context or more uh, more broadly, whatever whatever you'd like to share. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be precise. <laughs> I see a lot of good and I see a lot of good changes, uh, especially in my country, since I, I look here the closest. Uh, the challenge that I would see in general, I guess, throughout many countries is um, a lot of people with short-term vision and very few people with long-term vision. And the turnout, turnover, especially in government, that with every new party comes not only new policies, but new values or the direction that a particular country is going. And this could be, uh, I guess this could be um, related to many countries, including all ours that are on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess in public service, if we have more people with long-term vision, and I, I, I very much value the Bush School because that these are the values that they teach. It's that to serve people rather than to serve your own interests. And this um, has also changed or formed a lot in my mind when I was at the Bush School, kind of like what the public service is. Mm -hmm. And another thing I valued very much about the Bush School is giving the tools that, as you have just mentioned, can be used in any direction. Like you don't have to go to and work for the government to be the public servant. What Maggie is doing is public service. You can go to nonprofit organization and serve people because public service is serving people. So, yeah, I don't have much to say about bad. I try to concentrate on <laughs> on good, but I would very much wish to have more long-term visionaries in public service. And tell me, or tell us a little bit. I know you're in a little bit of a transition, but what are you doing, or what have you been doing since graduation, and kind of where are you right now? Since graduation, I moved to the scene, closer to madness. <laughs> and I worked for Save the Children. It's a big international organization with a presence in 120 countries. And there I was working at the office of the president, um, mainly developing policies, gender-related gender policies. So we were trying to establish gender equality and diversity within the organization, as well as through our programming in all 120 countries around the world. And I was basically developing, helping the office of the president to develop various policies regarding that. Very nice. Now, just a week ago, I'm back to my country and I still live like a tourist. I go places <laughs> and walk places. Uh, sounds like fun. Yes. <laughs> Hazik. Sure. I think I'd like to see this um, on, on two levels. Uh, so the first one is pretty much, you know, from perspective of my, you know, from my home country, because that that I'm, you know, where I'm most closest to, and and pretty much what Megan and Leila uh, already said, it's it's a combination of factors, right? There are a lot of threats, uh, you know, ranging, and, and you know, it, it's it's basically stemming from the human nature, right? And and how we're eventually trained as a society, and that depends on on various, you know, bunch of factors like different regimes, like like Leila mentioned. Um, for, for example, in Pakistan, they, you know, they, they've been they've been changing a lot in in, in terms of how not their what what the policies they they mean or they're also their values, their manifestos. Um, every five years, if your if your values are changing, the country is not going to progress in terms of in, in terms of policies, right? Uh, and and there are major policy shifts. There there aren't just any you know minor minor changes. Major bureaucratic changes, major, uh, you know, vision visionary changes in terms of what you want to do. Let's say in education, for that matter, you want to have a central curriculum. You want to have, you know, a disintegrated uh, uh, curriculum for that matter in order to move forward. How do you empower the, you know, 
the, the poor sector of the society that's around 85 percent uh with, with little or no education for that matter how do you empower women for that matter and and there are completely different perspectives on on on, on these grounds which which is fine but then again when it comes to implementation there has to be a consensus in terms of policy uh and that's where you know uh because of the bureaucratic nature because of the political regime that that unfortunately uh reigns supreme over all institutional values, uh, especially back home, you know, and, and in most developing countries, is is disturbing, and and you know that for me, you know, eventually poses the biggest threat uh, in terms of policy making. Because no matter, even if you have good policies on paper, if you, even if you have, you know, people willing to make changes in the office, once the bureaucratic structure is not allowing you to do that, you know, there, there's little you can do, and 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 money plays a huge huge role in that too. Uh, where I think your economic policy is super important. So for mm -hmm. for a developing country, uh, it's it's very important to have at least you know a strong or concrete economic policy for that matter in order to you know keep the money flowing in the right direction. So so uh, combination of these factors in order to you know publicly or or, or make sure that these policies are effective effective in in nature, uh, it, it cannot be just one successful institution. It has to be like you know there has to be a congruence of of all, all the factors. That that's that's the one from from you know my home country perspective. From an, from an international perspective, I think it's even more challenging because uh, you know you have you have these conflicts within countries within regimes that it's very hard for them to come on consensus even within their own territories. So so you know moving towards consensus on a regional level and on an international level is even harder, given the you know the technological gap that you have, given the difference of uh, you know institutional values that exist, um, given the lack of technological transfer that that you have uh, across borders. Um, and 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 you know yes, there are organizations, uh, international organizations, and international NGOs affecting that uh, in, in in a positive way. But then again, politics, you know, in a way, overrules all this in 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 many cases. So um, so to start off effectively, I think from from within the country that that's that's you know one of the biggest uh, factors that needs to be taken care of if you want to move to an international level and to have an effective policies on you know on that regard. Yeah, one of the things that, um, you know, I sort of, the, the three of you have uh, illuminated for me in our time together is thinking about the importance of, of quality, uh, rational institutions that have a history of um, doing things without paying a lot of, you know, political patronage that are relatively meritocracies. These are, you know, things that... Um, really set the stage for how bureaucracy actually gets done and it kind of is usually missing from the action you know and the you have the political action that people see in the news but much less frequently are these conversations about what are the bureaucratic structures what do they look like how are they politically insulated how do they go about doing their business and you know to be able to do any of that you need resources and then the different challenges facing different countries and where they are along their development path and their access to resources is, is really important. And that's often not the same types of questions that say US scholars are looking at. Um, there are a whole myriad of challenges that are presented to countries depending on where they are and what they have going on. Um, and this is something that I think I've continued to learn from the three of you. Um, so we're getting close to the 45 minute mark. And so I have one final question. We've talked about some of the some of your own background. We've talked about some of the threats to public service. 
And I want to give you a chance to kind of give a pitch to the audience of, despite some of the challenges in public service, why is it, why is it worth it? Why is it worth taking your time? You three are very bright and have all kinds of different opportunities where public service doesn't have to be something that you're spending your time doing. So why should other people take public service seriously and why should they join the profession and dedicate you know, their lives to helping others. And you can take that in any order that you like. We won't put Maggie on the spot to go first this time. I, I think, I think one of the biggest factors why, why there, there is, um, and I, and I think I can, I can say this, that there's failure on, on, on the level of public policy making is because most of these individuals, at least in, 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 in case of Pakistan, you know, and in many developing countries, is because most of these public servants don't don't come from a background where they've studied public service or where they have an understanding of what, what public service really means uh, and how that can be effectively put into practice. Uh, most of it is based on, uh, unfortunately, lack of meritocracy, um, you know, just based on uh, the fact that they want to be there for the sake of being there instead of making a change and, and, and putting their vested interests, you know, you know, forward before before the national interest for that or public interest for that matter, and I think uh, once you have that opportunity, with the Bush School gives you, and, and many other public institutions, or public service institutions give you, is to understand that perspective, is to understand the the, the nature uh, and 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 the aim and mission of, of of doing public service eventually, which which despite all these challenges and threats that we've talked about and, and beyond keeps you, you know, in, in, in check and in focus of what you want to achieve at the end of the day, which which sounds easy to put. But then again, because of these, you know, political uh, considerations, uh, many, many social uh, hindrances, uh, economic, uh, you know, discrepancies, it's, it's very, very easy to deviate. But, you know, once you have that in mind, once you have the final aim in mind, what you want to achieve, be it education, be it any particular thing, be it even making the smallest of changes, I think that that, that platform uh, through a master's or, or, or through an even undergraduate degree, uh, I think that, that keeps you on track. And this can be implemented uh, irrespective of where you're from. That's, that's one of the best parts about Bush School. Uh, that's hence the diversity and the, and the international nature of the Bush School because um, yes, I might not be serving here in the U.S. as a public servant, but I can apply the same knowledge and, and use it effectively, you know, back home. Uh, so, uh, yeah, for me, I think that that's one of the biggest factors. Very nice, thank you, sir. Ladies, Leila, we're always back and forth. <laughs> yeah, it's a matter of uh, really good friends. Um, if if I may just briefly go back to my history a little bit, and I think that might give a perspective to people who are, you know, indecisive whether they want to enter public service or not. When I was 18, I was, you know, as everybody else at the time, you know, ha having a choice what to do with my life. And I wanted to study political science because I thought to myself, I'm a political animal, you know, I and everything I saw around me gave me this gut feeling, gave me this feeling in my heart that I need to do something about it. You know, I had this urge that um, I want to do something that doesn't just give me the means to live a comfortable life, but also gives me the satisfaction and the responsibility that I'm doing something for other people as well. And then my parents at the time were saying, you know, we appreciate this, but think about, you know, yourself first, you know, uh, choose uh, choose a degree that will give you some sustain sustainability economically, financially, go to economics or law that those are the most famous uh, subjects to study in Albania, and I guess maybe in Georgia as well. Um, and I said to them, you know what? Uh, 
And I told my parents, you know what? I'm going to study what I want and I'm going to be, you know, the best I can in it. And I promise you that I will have a proper future and I will have, you know, sustainable financial means to live a normal life. And 10 years into that decision, even more. Oh, I don't know how many years now, but many, many years after that decision, I feel like I've made the right choice because what I do is giving me a normal life but it's giving me such, such pleasure, you know, to go every day to work, despite all the craziness sometimes, despite, you know, feeling that we, I have failed in, in something, you know, and see that things are not getting better by the rate that I would like to. Even a small, small, small thing, you know, that affects someone else makes me so happy that I forget, you know, how much money we make at the end of the day. And something that we are often told at the Bush School, I remember, I don't remember who it was, but they said, Thank you for choosing to be poor for the rest of your life. But also, <laughs> I feel, you know, it was a joke, but at the end of the day, it made me feel, I don't care. You know, it, it, it gave me that feeling that what I do is rewarding enough for me to look past, you know, this greed of having more and more money all the time. And I feel like serving others really in itself, it's, it's a huge accomplishment. And at the end of the day, you can say, my actions did something good for someone else. What you know? What money can can substitute that? So, nice. go to public service. <laughs> yeah, like All right, Leila, you've held on to the final spot. Let's bring us home. Let's see what you have to say. <laughs> I very much agree with Kazik and Maggie um, about this choice being a result of a personal journey. Uh, at the Bush School, Dr. Olson told us that uh, uh, you won't make much money in this field, and if you're making much money in this field, you are doing something wrong. <laughs> and do not choose to go to public service unless you have this disease called passion for public service. And I think this disease for me was a result of personal choice and answer to the question, what do I want to do in life? Which is very hard to find for many people and hard to get there and dig there. And But when you find it, it's very comforting and it's very satisfying. And for me, I, for me, the answer to my question of existence is I want to help others. And public service is a very right place to be if you want to do that. And if you want to do that, Bush School is a very, very right place to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I appreciate the the plugs for the Bush School. Um, yeah. On the website. All right. So the audience knows they were not bribed in any way or encouraged to be anything but honest. Um. Well, uh, this is a lot of fun. Uh, I can say on a on a personal note, these are three uh, fantastic former students that I was able to spend. A decent amount of time with, uh, um, and they really do believe these things. I watched it play out in their lives and their times at the Bush School, and as if they as they've left here and continue to think about the future ways to to serve others and to you know do their part to make the world a little bit of a better place. And it uh, it was an honor to be your instructor, and as now that you have each left, it's an honor to be your friend and colleague and to join with you in this, um, you know, this pursuing of trying to help others and trying to spread quality public service. Um, because there aren't a lot of, uh, there aren't a lot of institutions that that is in part their primary goal is to try to 
improve the quality of public service um, throughout the world. And that the Bush School, I think, takes uh, quite seriously. So um, I will let you all return to your days. I am going to return to getting some sleep before tomorrow uh, Tomorrow uh, hits me upside the head here. There's another busy day tomorrow and lots of work to be done, as I'm sure you all have lots of work to do throughout your day. Um, it has been a pleasure to have this time to chat with each of you, and we'll have to find an excuse to do it again sometime in the near future. Definitely. It was an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.